Have fun, everybody. So how many of us struggle with perfectionism? How many of us struggle with perfectionism? This past, I've seen some hands raising. You're going to like this message. And this, so this past week, a friend of mine posted on Facebook, and this is what he said. He said, there is a right way to do things and no other way. I really don't understand imprecision, he said. I don't get it. I am proudly perfectionist because everything else is a mistake. He went on to say, we expect surgeons to be precise, airline pilots, architects, Structural engineers, we expect exact change from a cashier every time. We expect the ATM to never mess up. So it seems to me that whenever our standard drops below a target of absolute precision, we're saying that that activity doesn't matter. Is he right? Is he right? Do all of us need to live up to a standard of perfection? Is precision in our life truly necessary? If we're not perfect in what we do and what we say and how we act, are we flawed individuals who really are just failures in all that we do? Today we're starting a new message series called I Am Second. It's called I Am Second, and over the next three weeks, we're going to listen to stories of testimonies from Olympic athletes who have wrestled with who they are in God's eyes who they are in God's eyes and how they measure up before God. And the reason the series is called I Am Second is because as you will see, each of these athletes has learned to accept something about himself or herself. They found that life is better with Jesus first and saying I am second. So today you're going to hear from gold medal Olympian Sean Johnson, one of the most accomplished Olympians in the history of the sport and what she's learned about being perfect and how her faith addresses her issues of perfection. And so here now is Sean Johnson talking about her story this morning. I can remember every detail about Beijing. The smell, the lights, the crowd. I remember Nastia Lupin to go up and compete and give a beautiful routine. And I remember looking at her score and it was a, it was one point higher than the highest score I had conjured up in my mind, that it was impossible for me to get a gold medal. I remember my heart just sinking. The entire world is being told. Do I even go out and compete? Do I just throw it? I remember thinking, well, if, if you can't win the gold medal, at least prove to the world that you deserved it. And starting my routine and giving the best routine of my entire life. I'd never felt lighter in my life. I felt like I was on top of the world. I remember seeing 50,000 people on their feet giving me a standing ovation. I told everybody, was the biggest honor of my life, but really kind of crushed my heart. I remember being given the silver medal on the podium. The person who did it gave me a hug and told me, he said, I'm sorry. And I remember that being really strange for me because it's kind of like I was being given a silver medal at the Olympic Games and 
being told I'm sorry. So it was kind of like a validation in my heart that I had failed. I got two more silver after that, then finally got a gold. But it was like once I got the gold, I, it didn't matter. But like, I felt like the damage was done. I would go to school every day and every single person would be asking about gymnastics or watching me on TV or reading an interview. I, every news article in the entire world said that I was gonna come home with four Olympic gold medals and I'd given 200% that day in competition and laid it out on the floor, but I felt like I had failed the world. I felt like since the world saw me as nothing else, then if I failed at being a gymnast, I failed at being a human being. I was 16 years old, living in a fishbowl. You know, every single person and their mother was applauding and congratulating me and also critiquing me because I was on a world stage. It was now about what I wore and how I looked. I was growing up in the limelight. I was 16 years old and you know, a, a muscular gymnast, and I was not even four, eight, and I was dancing next to girls who were, you know, supermodels. And I remember at, at 16, 17, from Dancing with the Stars, reading all of these blogs and reading newspaper articles and seeing headlines of people criticize my weight and my appearance and, you know, my personality and my character. and. It affected me immensely. It drove me to, to try to change everything about myself. Trying to act like someone you aren't and trying to look like someone you will never be um, is exhausting and draining. And, you know, feeling like the world doesn't accept you for who you are kind of, it, it hurts your heart. I feel like when all of that kind of compiled into to one big moment and it was this 2012 comeback and I had all these sponsors and I think around six months before the actual Olympic trials I was hitting probably my all-time low I was spending probably over 40 hours a week training I was constantly trying to lose weight but it wasn't happening my parents wanted me to go see a psychologist or go see a doctor because they thought I was like clinically depressed. Um, I, I remember I was like losing hair. I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't eating properly. I was struggling with, I wasn't 16 any longer. And so for months, I just, I just pushed myself in practice. And I said, you know, it's, if this is what will make the sponsors happy and my parents happy and my coach happy and the team and the USA national team happy. And if this is what is right for everybody, then this is what's right for me. I can just push through it. And, you know, day after day, come home from practice just bawling and bawling and not having any outlet of peace. I remember walking into practice one day, uh, getting up on the beam and like standing at the edge of the beam, looking down, getting ready to start flipping. And it's one of those moments that's really hard to explain and really hard for I, I feel like a lot of people to understand but in that one moment I felt like God was telling me you know you've you've been so distraught over this decision and been putting yourself through all of this and your family through all of this and you've been afraid of disappointing a lot of people and 
you know, not been yourself, but it's okay to to follow your heart and to, to put it behind you. In that instant, I felt the entire world was like be lifted off my shoulders. And it was like in that one instant, I knew it was all gonna be okay. I was, I was giving my heart and soul and getting to a place that I was not proud of, all for that gold medal again, that I distinctly remember in 2008, not being the greatest thing in the world. And I think it's just kind of that validation that there's always more. God is the answer to everything. And Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross so that when I stood up there and I was given that gold medal, yes, it's a monumental and amazing experience and wonderful thing, but it's not the end all be all. Yes, I can work my whole life to become the CEO of a company or to make a certain amount of money or to win 12 more Olympic gold medals, but it's not the purpose in life. And he will always be my greatest reward and my proudest reward. My name is Sean Johnson and I am second. What would it be like to have God tell you, it's okay, just be who you are. It's okay, just be who you are. When you feel the weight of life, those burdens when they apply on your shoulders, when they're placed on your back, what would it be like in a single moment to have the entire world lifted off your shoulders and to hear God say that everything, everything's going to be okay, just be who you are. Sean was chasing a gold medal. She was chasing a gold medal, and it was an amazing achievement, to be sure, as she said. But, but in her training to be perfect, she realized that there's something more. In a still, quiet moment, God met Sean on a balance beam, and, and she realized that Jesus is everything, that he sacrificed his life on a cross so that when she stood up there and was given that gold medal, an incredible experience, that wasn't all that she wanted. That wasn't all that she wanted. It was an incredible experience, but it was not the end-all and be-all for her. We put a lot of value on entertainment and on uh, sports. Our athletes are considered to be demigods. Sean, while she was still a teenager, experienced the highest achievements that, that anybody in our culture could really ever achieve, at least from a sports standpoint. She was standing on the world stage. She was standing on top of the Olympic platform receiving multiple awards, silver and gold. She had literally received the, the greatest rewards that anyone has ever been given in the, the history of sports, and yet Sean still found her pursuit of perfection left her lacking. And it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder, what am I chasing in life? What are you chasing in life? What is it that we're chasing? What is your gold medal? Is it a job? Is it a relationship? Is it a status? Is it something that you're hoping is going to fill that emptiness inside of your heart? Do you think that you're ever going to get there? Whatever it is that you're chasing, are you ever going to find it? 
Because if the International Hall of Fame gymnast Sean Johnson could climb to the top of the gold medal platform and she didn't find satisfaction in pursuing perfection with all the awards and everything that she had achieved, what do we think we are going to be able to do to, to, to pursue that perfect job? Or have those friends and being popular or whatever the next thing is that that we're looking to fill that space in our life? What is it that we think we're going to be able to do that's going to make us happy? In her testimony, Sean said that there was a moment when God came to her on that balance beam and she accepted his love of her. And the weight of the world literally was lifted off of her shoulders. And at that moment, at that moment in her life, Sean traded, she traded the pursuit of perfection for living by faith. Don't miss that. At that moment, she traded the pursuit of perfection for living by faith. Jesus, she said, will always be her greatest reward. She accepted his love for her, the sacrifice that he made on the cross, and Jesus became first, and she became second. When Jesus becomes first in your life, and you become second, all the other pieces of your life fall into place. Now, do I think that Sean's been tempted to pursue greatness and, and perfection in her life since that moment? I absolutely do. I'm absolutely convinced. I think it's within her for, for that drive for perfection. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that she's been tempted to pursue greatness all of her life since she made that decision. But temptation isn't always bad. My belief is that temptation can be an opportunity for us to practice making Jesus first and ourselves second. And Sean's story reminds us of just that, how to make Jesus first. We're going to look at a scripture verse here in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses th verse 33 specifically. But Matthew here is speaking to the people in a famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's speaking to people about learning how not to worry and, and how not to be anxious. And in the midst of that statement, he makes this statement. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously and he, God, will give you everything that you need. Put Jesus first. Make yourself second. When you seek first the kingdom of God, you want to be a part of all that God has to offer you, and you want to depend upon him for everything. When you put Jesus first, everything else falls into place. We have a way this morning as we start this series over the next couple of weeks, we have a way that uh, we're going to help ourselves just remind ourselves of this. And, and if you came in today, you were handed the bookmark, and I encourage you to pull it out. You were handed this bookmark. Um, and the bookmark is, is something for, for all of us. And if you're at home uh, and you would like this bookmark, this bookmark here, you can actually uh, have sent to you. We will mail it to you. Uh, it won't have Pastor Doug's name in there, but uh, it'll be a blank one where you can put your own name. But the point of it is we will mail it to you. So send us an email to the office email address. Or if you're using the mobile app, go to the mobile app and look uh, in the events section and you can reserve them. We'll, we'll mail them to you. Uh, I think up to six of them uh, we'll send your way. <clears throat> but what I want you to do, every single one of us, is I want you to write your name on that blank. I want to say, my name is Pastor Doug, and I am second. 
And then what I'm going to ask you to do is put this someplace where you will look at it two times a day. Maybe it's by your nightstand when you wake up and go to bed. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's in a book that you're reading. Wherever it is, it's on your bathroom window. It's at your breakfast. It's, it's in a cabinet. It's somewhere that you will see this every day. And I'm just going to ask you to do this quietly, if you've got people around, but just wherever you are, twice a day, I want you to read it out. My name is Doug, and I am second. Tell yourself that. Do that every single day, twice a day for the next week. That's why you have this bookmark. Because when Jesus comes first and you are second, you gain a peace that I can't give you just telling you about it. It's when Jesus becomes first and you become second that you gain a peace <clears throat> that cannot exist in your life if Jesus is battling you for that first spot. But if you put Jesus in that spot and you become second, it doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles doesn't mean you're not going to have worries. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, your life is going to be perfect. What it does mean is that your life will be directed by God and that God will give you a stillness and a peace that will save you from unnecessary worry, from unnecessary struggles. So if you're here today, I want you to use that pen. Use the pen in the pew in front of you. Do it right now. Grab a, a Bible out of the, the, the pew in front of you. Write your name on that. Write your name on it. And if you're watching online, as I said, use the mobile app or email us and we'll mail these to you. They'll get to you probably by Wednesday if we mailed it on Monday. Uh, but if you put it out there, we'll have them to you. And I want you every day this week, twice a day, to just read it out loud to yourself. My name is Doug. I am second. My name is Doug. I am second. And then think about it. Write your name on that bookmark twice a day. And think about what it means for you to say those words out loud and what that means for it to be true. And see if it doesn't make a difference in your life this week. That's our goal. Our goal is to put Jesus first and for us to become second. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for Sean's testimony and her story before us. Uh, Lord, and we pray that as a church, we would learn this lesson of how we can put you first. And God, we, we admit that, that we're a little scared about that because uh, that means we're giving up some control. That means we're asking you to take uh, take the driver's seat, and, and we don't really know how to do that well. Um, and so, Lord, that can, be, that can be scary for us. But we do believe by faith that when you are first and we are second, that life is better. And so, God, I pray for us as a church. I pray for those at home who are uh, doing this. I pray for those here in person that are doing this. Lord, together, may we uh, grow as a church to see you uh, realized in our life as that first place of prominence and position. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.